the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Jesus went out with his disciples across the Kindred Valley to where there was a garden into which he and his disciples entered. Judas, his betrayer, also knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas got a band of soldiers and guards from the chief high priests and the Pharisees and went there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, knowing everything that was going to happen to him, went out and said to them, Whom are you looking for? They answered him, He said to them, I am. Judas, his betrayer, was also with them. When he said to them, I am, they turned away and fell to the ground. So he again asked them, Whom are you looking for? They said, Jesus Jesus answered, I told you that I am. So if you are looking for me, Let these men go. This was to fulfill what he had said. I have not lost any of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave, and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its scabbard. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father gave me? So the band of soldiers, the tribune, and the Jewish guards seized Jesus, bound him, and brought him to Annas first. He was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had counseled the Jews that it was better that one man should die rather than the people. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Now the other disciple was known to the high priest, and he entered the courtyard of the high priest with Jesus. But Peter stood at the gate outside. So the other disciple, the acquaintance of the high priest, went out and spoke to the gatekeeper and brought Peter in. Then the maid who was the gatekeeper said to Peter, He said, Now the slaves and the guards were standing around a charcoal fire that they had made because it was cold and were warming themselves. Peter was also standing there keeping warm. The high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I have spoken publicly to the world. I have always taught in a synagogue or in the temple area where all the Jews gather, and in secret I have said nothing. Why ask me? Ask those who heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the temple guards standing there struck Jesus and said, Is this the way you answer 
Jesus answered him, If I have spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Then I sent him to bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing there, keeping warm, and they said to him, He denied it and said, One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the one whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Again, Peter denied it, and immediately the cock crowed. Then they brought Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium. It was morning, and they themselves did not enter the praetorium in order not to be defiled, so that they could eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and said, What charge do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, At this, Pilate said to them, Take it yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews answered him, In order that the word of Jesus might be fulfilled, that he had said indicating the kind of death he would die. So Pilate went back into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Do you say this on your own, or have others told you about me? Pilate answered, Jesus answered, My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom did belong to this world, my attendants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. So Pilate said to him, Then you are a king. Jesus answered, You say I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? When he had said this, he again went out to the Jews and said to them, They cried out again. Now Barabbas was a revolutionary. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him scourged. The soldiers wove a crown out of thorns and placed it on his head and clothed him in a purple cloak. And they came to him and said, And they struck him repeatedly. Once more, Pilate went out and said to them, Look, I am bringing him out to you, so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple cloak, 
And Pilate said to them, When the chief priests and the guards saw him, they cried out, Pilate said to them, Take it yourselves and crucify him. I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered, Now, when Pilate heard this statement, he became even more afraid and went back into the praetorium and said to Jesus, Jesus did not answer him, so Pilate said to him, Do you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the power to release you, and I have the power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me if it had not been given to you from above. For this reason, the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Consequently, Pilate tried to release him, but the Jews cried out, When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and seated him on the judge's bench in the place called Stone Pavement, in Hebrew, Gabbatha. It was the preparation day for Passover, and it was about noon. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king! They cried out, Pilate said to them, The chief priests answered, Then they handed him over to be crucified. So they took Jesus, and carrying the cross himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, with Jesus in the middle. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. Now many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four shares, a share for each soldier. They also took his tunic, but the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top down. So they said to one another, in order that the passage of Scripture might be fulfilled that says, They divided my garments among them, and for my vesture they cast lots. This is what the soldiers did. 
Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clovis, and Mary of Magdala. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple there whom he loved, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his home. After this, aware that everything was now finished, in order that the scriptures might be fulfilled, Jesus said, I thirst. There was a vessel filled with common wine. So they put a sponge soaked in wine on a spring of hyssop and put it up to his mouth. When Jesus had taken the wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he handed over the spirit. Now since it was the preparation day, in order that the bodies might not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath day of the week was a solemn one, The Jews asked Pilate that their legs be broken and that they be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and then of the other one who was crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one soldier thrust his lance into his side and immediately blood and water flowed out. An eyewitness has testified, and his testimony is true. He knows that he is speaking the truth, so that you also may come to believe. For this happened so that the scripture passage might be fulfilled. Not a bone of it will be broken. And again, another passage passage says, They will look upon him whom they have pierced. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, secretly a disciple of Jesus for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate if he could remove the body of Jesus, and Pilate permitted it. So he came and took his body. Nicodemus, the one who had first come to him at night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about a hundred pounds. They took the body of Jesus and bound it with burial cloths, along with the spices, according to the Jewish burial custom. Now in the place where he had been crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been buried. So they laid Jesus there because of the Jewish preparation day, for the tomb was close by. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. As yesterday, and tomorrow and the next day, 
we have come to remember, to meditate, to experience contemplation. But as yesterday and today and tomorrow and the next day, that's not enough. It's not sufficient. We have come to observe, yes, but more than that, to enter in. Today, we enter into his sacrifice, although we do not celebrate the Eucharist. There is no Mass. Because when we celebrate the Mass, while his sacrifice becomes present on our altar, it's the risen body and blood of Christ that we receive, not his dead body and blood. So today there is no Mass. The Church, in a sense, is silent. There is no Eucharistic prayer. As I said, there was yesterday, there will be tomorrow, but not today. Today we witness and we enter. There was a great Swiss theologian who had a reflection on this day and this liturgy that we are celebrating. He said, there is something dishonest and disproportionate about putting our own trivial emotional states into the same context as the vast mystery of redemption. That is, frankly, kitsch. Whether I weep a little or watch the performance dry-eyed like the gaping cloud or the soldier is neither here nor there. More than anything else, contemplation of the passion summons us to kneel in the dust, to worship without looking at ourselves, to direct our gaze solely to the image of the suffering Lord, to what is happening to him externally and internally. At the veneration of the cross, we approach the cross, kneeling, We humbly kiss the wounds. At such moments, my sin is so obvious, so enormous, that it needs no special illumination. On the other hand, the fact that it is mine that it weighs me down pales into insignificance when considered in comparison to the visibly 
grievous burden that it places on the Lamb of God. Today we have the Passion of St. John. There is something unique to his Passion, the Blessed Mother. Calls her once again woman. Genesis, the new Eve. Only he can redeem us. And she unites her love to his redemptive love completely. That was today. But one final thought. Last Sunday we had the Passion of St. Luke. He has something unique to him too. The thief on the right. The thief offers a prayer. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. A prayer we might say when we venerate the cross today. Remember me. He expects something, or rather he expects nothing. Or does he? He deserves nothing, but he hopes for everything. And he got it. Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It has been said, rather beautifully, I think, that the thief died a thief because he stole paradise. And paradise can be stolen again.